Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, the show that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole and I'm hunkered down in a different space this week, so apologies if the show sounds a little bit weird. Hey, remember to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and of course the Twitter and the Instagram and the Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash how, how good it is pod. Before I get this started, let me pass this message on to you. Do you know one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That means it could be you. Hey, if you're in your car, could be the guy to your left, the driver to your right, you, the driver in front of you, the driver that's trying to get in front of you. You, the driver that leaves their blinker on, the driver that's never heard of a blinker. With early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Okay, here's some video trivia for ye today. What do the videos, or if you prefer the promotional films for these songs, have in common? They are... Foolish Heart by Steve Perry, Don't Give Up by Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel, Stay by Lisa Loeb, Wannabe by the Spice Girls, and When I Think of You by Janet Jackson. What do the videos for those five songs have in common? Want one more? Okay. Let's go with Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan. I'll have the answer to that question near the end of the show. So I know I said during the last episode that I was going to talk about Peter Frampton this time around, but I've scrapped that one for a little while for a couple of different reasons. Instead, we're going to look at the song Blue Moon, which most fans of the oldies will remember as a big hit by the Marcells in 1961, and in that respect, you'd be right. But if that's all there was to it, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about it, now would I? Blue Moon goes all the way back to 1934 and a movie called Hollywood Party. Now, I'm going to talk about Hollywood Party in a little bit, but first I want to talk about Blue Moon's composers, because maybe you've heard of them. Richard Rogers and Lawrence Hart met in 1919 when they were both attending Columbia University, and they were asked to work on an amateur club show. From that collaboration, it was only a couple of years to their first successful Broadway musical in 1925, a show called The Garrick Gaieties, which is mostly known nowadays as the source of the song We'll Take Manhattan. We'll have Manhattan, the Bronx and Staten Island too. Now, if you're originally from the New York metro area and a little bit older, you might notice that the melody of the song's title sounds like a certain radio station's jingles, and you'd be correct in that respect. And before I get further sidetracked, I'm going to leave it at that. So it wasn't long after that that Rogers and Hart moved to Los Angeles and started working on films. In 1933, they got a contract with MGM and began writing music for them, and that's where we get to Hollywood Party. Hollywood Party was one of those MGM films that was little more than a series of short scenes, all written and directed by different people and loosely connected by a framing device of some kind. In this case, it was Jimmy Durante playing a Tarzan-like character in search of new lions for his movie because the ones he has are worn out. The plot is ridiculously thin, as so many of these films were, but what these movies did have was a lot of star power behind them, so they were usually pretty successful. Unfortunately, that wasn't so much the case for Hollywood Party, which was both a box office and a critical failure. Now, 
if you're a film aficionado, you're probably thinking to yourself, wait a minute, that, that song wasn't in Hollywood Party, and you'd be right, because ultimately the scene was cut from the finished script. That is to say, it wasn't even recorded or filmed. The song written for that film also had a different set of lyrics. See, the scene that was to feature the song had Jean Harlow in it as an innocent young girl saying her prayers, or I guess it would be more accurate to say she was singing her prayers. So at that point, the first verse went, Oh Lord, if you're not busy up there, I ask for help with a prayer, so please don't give me the air. It's actually a pretty cute song, and you can find a couple of YouTube videos of people singing the full lyric. Anyway, because it went unrecorded, MGM marked it as MGM Song 225, and then in parentheses, Oh Lord, Make Me a Movie Star, essentially copywriting it as an unpublished work in 1933. So in 1934, Lorenz Hart wrote a new set of lyrics in order to create a title song for the film Manhattan Melodrama. This time, the first verse went, Act one, you gulp your coffee and run Into the subway you crowd Don't breathe, it isn't allowed And again the song was cut from the movie And registers as an unpublished work But then, the studio asked for a nightclub number for the film So Hart wrote a third set of lyrics Now the song was called The Bad in Every Man And the good news here Is that the song actually made it into the film Sung by Shirley Ross Despite being produced quickly and cheaply, Manhattan Melodrama was a huge hit for MGM and is notable for being the first pairing of Myrna Loy and William Powell and one of Mickey Rooney's first roles playing a child version of Clark Gable's character. In the wake of the film's success, the head of MGM's music publishing company, Jack Robbins, decided that the song was worth releasing commercially, but he thought it needed a different title and different lyrics. Specifically, he thought it needed to be a more romantic song. Lawrence Hart was, to be sure, reluctant to come up with a fourth set of lyrics for the song, especially in as much as he and Rogers had moved to Paramount by then. But eventually he was talked into it when Robbins promised to promote it nationwide. Robbins, in turn, kept that promise by leasing the song to a national radio program called Hollywood Hotel, which was the inspiration for another film with the same name a few years down the road. It doesn't appear as though a lot of those shows were recorded, but here's one from 1937. Presenting Hollywood Hotel. The makers of those fine Campbell soups bring you one full hour of entertainment direct from Hollywood, California, with Fred McMurray as your master of ceremonies. Don't mind the rainy pattern, and you will find... Friday night, and by Winchell and by Bernie, another gala evening at the home of the movie stars. Another hour of sing time with Fred McMurray, Igor Gorin, and Jameson. An hour of swing time with Raymond Page. Of wake up and live time with Luella Parsons and her guest stars, Janet Gaynor, Frederick March... Adolph Manjou, Mae Robeson, and Andy Devine in scenes from one of the greatest pictures that Hollywood has seen in many a day, David Selznick's Technicolor Achievement, A Star is Born. And here's an extra special treat for our orchid room. You know who's England's most famous actress, for whose performances crowds line the streets 24 hours in advance, idol of London's rich and poor alike, one of the world's most famous comedians, whose salary is almost double that of our own Mae West. Yes, sirree, it's Gracie Fields sitting over at Luella Parsons' table. Before the evening is over, we'll get her up here to do something for us. 
Well, come on, Raymond. The theme of tonight's show is still Wake Up and Live. And now that I think about it, while that fanfare is pretty standard now, it does seem to have an echo of Blue Moon in it. Am I crazy? I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this one. But it brings me around to the melody side of this song and a specific detail about it. Because Blue Moon may be the first instance of what musicians nowadays call the 50s progression in a pop song. Now, this is one of those areas where I'm getting just a little bit out of my depth. But the 50s progression is a specific chord pattern that became more popular in the 1950s, as the name implies. It's also known as the heart and soul chords, the standby me changes, and in some cases, the ice cream changes. There are some variants in this progression, but if you listen, you can hear the pattern in lots of pop songs and not just from the 50s. But let me provide you with the basic sample here, which comes from a YouTube channel run by a fellow named Bill Tires, who was kind enough to give his permission for me to use it here. Here's the basic 50s progression. Got that? Now, I'm not going to play a hundred other clips, but listen for it next time you hear Bohemian Rhapsody or Duke of Earl or more recently, Rebecca Black's Friday. And let me repeat that Blue Moon isn't the first use of this chord sequence. In fact, it goes back at least to the 1600s, but it's certainly one of the first in a popular music song. Okay, so based on the use of the song in the Hollywood Hotel radio show and the release of the sheet music, Blue Moon charted in the top 10 for 18 weeks, according to Variety magazine, making it to number one during the week of January 26, 1935. But that wasn't the song's only visit to the charts, New Serene. singer Billy Eckstein recorded and released his version in 1949, which peaked at number 21 on the Billboard Jukebox chart that year. And just a month later, Mel Torme's version of the song made it to number 20 on the Billboard bestseller charts 
as part of its five-week trip there. The only one my arms could ever crossover to rock and roll came through the king himself, Elvis Presley, who recorded it for his debut album. This single only peaked at number 55 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, but it spent a total of 17 weeks on that chart. Now before I talk about what's perhaps the best known version of this song, I'm going to jump ahead to 1988 and this version by the Cowboy Junkies called Blue Moon Revisited and subtitled Song for Elvis which is a hybrid of the old song with a new one. This recording didn't make it onto the original vinyl release of the Trinity Sessions album, but it was on the worldwide release in all formats a year later. This one didn't chart because it wasn't released as a single, but it's one of my favorite versions, and it's got that Elvis connection, so I don't know. Live with that, I guess. So now, let's jump back to 1961. <laughs> The Marcells were your basic vocal harmony group that was known for doing rock and roll versions, specifically doo-wop versions, of popular songs. They had gotten a contract with Cole Picks Records and were nearly done cutting their first album when two things happened. The first was that producer Stu Phillips was told by his boss to quit wasting time on the Marcells and to spend his days working with another artist. Phillips complied, but he also reasoned that, well, if he couldn't spend his days working with the Marcells, nothing said he couldn't work with them at night. So when everyone went home, he sneaked the group in for a secret recording session, and here's where the second thing came in. They laid down three songs, and they needed a fourth to finish the album. Phillips asked them if they knew any other songs, but he didn't really like anything they suggested. The only thing he liked was another song that had the same chord changes as both Heart and Soul and Blue Moon. 
Phillips asked them if they knew either song, and one of them said he knew Blue Moon, so Phillips gave the group an hour to learn the song, and then they'd record it. And so they did, although there's a little bit of a goof in the lyrics in the bridge, but who really cares? And that leaves us with one last detail. This is the only version that has that heavy doo-wop break throughout. Where on earth did that come from? I'm so glad you asked. Have a listen to this. This is a song called Zoom by the Cadillacs. Nowadays, that group is mostly known for the song Speedoo, but Zoom was part of their act around that same time in 1956, and the Marcells had it in their live act. So while it's possible that this was where it came from, and some people think that's the case, well, you need to listen to this now. This is a group called the Collegians and a song called Zoom Zoom Zoom. And believe it or not, there's an interview with the group that was published in 1973 when the Marcells were attempting a comeback, wherein they say that this was the inspiration for the doo-wop breaks. And while it's a more obscure record, it's pretty clear to me at least that this is the more likely of the two. So my thought is that people just confused the two similar titles and went with the group that had a bigger musical footprint. Now, while Zoom 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 didn't really fit in with the theme of the rest of the album, it's pretty clear that the chord changes are similar enough to those of Blue Moon that the songs could easily be melded together. And at Stu Phillips' suggestion, that's exactly what the Marcells did, getting it done in two takes. A promotions man got a copy of the finished tape, and he leaked it to famous disc jockey Murray the K over at WINS, who called it an exclusive and played it more than two dozen times on his show. This version of Blue Moon is the only one that went all the way to number one position on the Hot 100 chart, not to mention the R&B chart, and it was also number one in the UK as well. So it way outperformed any other version chart-wise. However, I do have one final note about this recording, and it goes back to Richard Rodgers. He hated the Marcells version. Lauren's heart was dead by this time, so there's no opinion there. But Rodgers, he disliked it so much that he took out ads in the music papers urging people not to buy it. And I have one last odd little bit of information about this song. In 2018, the New York Times printed an article about a woman named Liz Roman Galise, who says that she has evidence that her father, Edward Roman, is the real composer of Blue Moon. She lays it all out on her website, and the story is a little bit convoluted, but it is kind of compelling, enough at least to make you think. Whether she's got a solid case... I'm going to leave that up to you. I will link the New York Times story and Miss Galisa's webpage over at howgooditis.com. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you what the videos for a bunch of different songs had in common. The songs were Foolish Heart by Steve Perry, 
Don't Give Up by Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel, Stay by Lisa Loeb, Wannabe by the Spice Girls, and When I Think of You by Janet Jackson, plus Subterranean Homesick Blues by Bob Dylan. This one's kind of fun and not necessarily something you notice on the first viewing, but all of these videos were filmed in one continuous shot, or at least manufactured to look like one continuous shot. A couple of them do have cleverly disguised edits in them, but the overall effect is that the video appears to be a single shot. This isn't an exclusive list by any means, so feel free to find some of your own. And that's a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe even leave a rating somewhere. People hate. People are looking for distractions. They're looking for podcasts. So by all means, recommend this one. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditis. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you may find a few extra bits. Thanks, as usual, to Podcast Republic for featuring the show. Thanks again to Bill Tires. His website is www.guitardownunder.com. He for providing us with those uh, 50s chords. And uh, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next time.